Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, episode number five. Are you addicted to Neo slash Urban Kizomba? Do you spend most of your free time watching Kizomba videos on YouTube and Facebook? Do you daydream about someday traveling to Europe to dance Kizomba? If you answered yes to any of these questions, get off your butt and head to the second annual Neo Kizomba Festival in Austin, Texas. We are bringing some of the top European instructors and DJs to you here in the US. Lawrence and Adeline, Isabel and Felicienne, Anna Labone and DJ Snakes. This is all going down July 8th to the 10th in Austin, Texas. Find out more and grab your pass before the next price increase at neokidsfest.com. Again, that's neokidsfest.com. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello, and welcome everyone to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast. Today, our special guest is Pilo. He is a, an American songwriter and instrumental. If you guys have been in the Kizoma scene, you've probably heard some of his Kizoma remixes. Or if you're a fan of Archie and Sizzle, you might have heard some of his collaboration work with that. But I'll go ahead and let Pilo give a little bit of an introduction to, about himself. What's going on? My name is Pilo. I'm an American musician singer songwriter instrumentalist everything you can think of music that's me <laughs> that's, that's what i do <laughs> uh i also have wrapped my entire soul around this music slash dance called kizamba mostly music though um not really the dance although i've been <laughs> kind of pressured to learn uh -huh. it uh, even though i can't i still can't do it yet i'm not i'm not i can't say that i i, I am uh, good at it yet I'm still learning Okay no problem Next time we get together I can show you some steps Or some moves For sure Man I need it man Because I'm so tired Of everybody coming up to me Saying can you dance Or asking me if I could dance it uh -huh. Or asking for a dance And I'm like nah You know I can't I can't really do it I don't really know And they're like What do you mean You make the music <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean yes, so, for, sure. for sure For sure But I definitely need some lessons So I'll be coming to you For sure That's awesome so um, <laughs> you listed a lot of things that you did under the scope of music. Um, can you talk yeah. to our listeners a little bit about what inspired you to kind of start with one and then decide to start another skill and then start to start um, another skill after that and just kind of like really absorb and engulf this whole music thing that has kind of obviously super inspired you and get you to where you are today? Yeah, so I uh, I grew up with music around my household everywhere I went, whether it was in the car, my father playing out of his stereo on Sundays when we were cleaning up after church or mm -hmm. whatever the case. Like, I, uh, you know, grandma's house is just music everywhere, everywhere I went. And so, I, you know, I started singing at 
maybe two, three years old, just, oh, you know, wow. just kind of just stuff around the house. It wasn't really, you know, anything, but, you know, I, I, I guess my parents could kind of tell that I already kind of had something going as far as music. Mm-hmm. So around five years old, they put me in piano lessons. I started playing piano. Um, wasn't for a long time, maybe a year or two years. And I started just kind of playing it after that That's on my awesome. own. Yeah. Uh, so then around, I think I was nine, nine years old, you know, it was around middle school time. And, you know, that came around the time where middle school band came into the picture. Uh, and I decided to play saxophone because mm-hmm. again, like I said, my, my parents used to play music all over the place. And one of the key instruments that I always heard, if it wasn't singing, it was someone playing saxophone. Cause I think that was one of my father's favorite instruments to hear, to listen to. Was it the alto saxophone? It was soprano and tenor saxophone. Ah, I gotcha. So that's what I heard. That's what, you know, I was always hearing. I was hearing guys like, uh, if you know smooth jazz, guys mm-hmm. like Najee, like uh, maybe a little bit of Kenny G, a mm-hmm. lot of George Howard, Gerald Albright, mm-hmm. um, you know, Grover Washington Jr., a bunch of different guys that I would hear all the time. So when it came time to, you know, be a part of middle school band, I was like, oh, I'm going to play the saxophone. They didn't have any more space for alto saxophone, so I had to play the tenor saxophone. Now, tenor saxophone is the uh, second largest saxophone there is to play their soprano which is the smallest alto tenor and then baritone saxophone Mm -hmm. and so imagine a nine-year-old kid with this huge saxophone trying (laughs) to play it i might have been you know four ten four Uh eleven at the time (laughs) starting to play it and the saxophone is as big as me so we started to play it Fast forward to maybe a year, a year and a half later, a jazz band was introduced to me through the middle school. Uh, I picked a soprano saxophone. Um, I got uh, maybe like a couple different opportunities to do a solo. Mm-hmm. And it was at one of those concerts that it really stuck in me. Um, and I tell the story to this day. It was after I did the solo, after we did the concert mm-hmm. and just people, not just my friends, but their families, their parents, uncles, aunts, grandparents, whatever came up to me and like, wow, you did a great show. Right. And so it was at that point that I knew that I was going to be in music and I wanted to be a performer for the rest of my life. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So then from that point on, everything else is just history. You know, I hear you. I hear you, man. Um, yeah. It's really interesting to see those moments that we have in our lives that kind of really touch us and that we kind of remember forever and that i'm pretty sure that you've drawn back on for inspiration and kind of like no this is what i was born to do this is what i feel like i'm supposed to be doing now i'm not going to be doing anything else because sometimes when you have that talent and let's say you're already having a job like even for me before i started dancing full-time you mm-hmm. always kind of second guess yourself and it's like, uh, I don't know if I should do this. Right. People are like starving artists and it's right. tough out there and things like that. But I mean, it's almost like ignoring that that voice that you have inside and like you're not going to be satisfied until you like go full force, both feet in. You can't have one foot in and one foot out, you know? No, no, no. That's exactly it. And I, I, I have to really thank my parents for that you know, really for supporting me and pushing me uh, towards that direction because both mm-hmm. my parents are actually doctors, you know uh-huh. what I mean? And so they're in the medical field saying, don't you dare be a doctor because you don't want this life. You know what I mean? I you don't, you. you don't have, you want to do what you love to do and, and make sure that you're, you are successful at it and that, you know, you have a great life around doing it. So they did everything possible to make sure that I was able to do that. 
That is awesome. That is very awesome. And sometimes it, that support doesn't come from your parents. It comes That's from right. your friends and things like that. That's but right. But at the same time, it's like, look at two successful people like your parents telling mm-hmm. you to do what you love and not necessarily what's going to make you the most money, you know, because that's if you right. do what you love and you get, if you hustle behind it, the money will come after that for sure. So that's one of those that's messages exactly that I want to share with our listeners. It's like, if you do have that desire, that, that inspiration, that dream, it is possible to fight for it and to strive for it and to achieve it. It's not easy, but nothing worthwhile is easy to achieve. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And what I what I tell a bunch of people is, you know, that 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 come to me for like inspiration and all that type of stuff, you know, or motivation. I tell them, look, you have to figure out what that one thing that if it was taken away from you, you wouldn't be able to breathe. Right. Mm -hmm. What's that one thing, whether it's cooking, whether it's playing music, whether Mm -hmm. it's dancing, it could be cutting grass. It could mm-hmm. be building homes because you love the side of, of construction. You like putting things together. So if, you know, if you're a kid and you love Legos, you might want to, you know, think about, sure. you know, building homes or something, whatever that is, that if you took that away from yourself, you wouldn't be able to live the next day. Exactly. Right. That's what you should go after. And you should put all a hundred percent of your passion. I'm not saying go out and quit your job tomorrow. Exactly. But those those days when you come home from work, maybe turn off the TV and mm-hmm. you know, put everything you have into that before you go to sleep at night or exactly. don't go to sleep that night and pull that all nighter and just suffer through that. Because at the end of the day, it's going to be so much better for you. When you said the word all nighter, that kind of stuck a, a personal chord with me because you, you mm-hmm. see people that are willing to party all night long. Exactly. You see people that are willing to pull all nighters to study. Exactly. Because they're in college and to school, it's like, okay, well, why can't you do that for a personal passion of yours? That's you, right. If you can party all night, you can stay up and study or practice or hone whatever it is, that skill that you're trying to do. And at the same time, if you're willing to put money and time towards a college degree, why not give your personal passion that same amount of dedication and and purposeness, you know? That's right. That's right. That's exactly it. And I tell people that all the time. So, yeah, that's that's, that's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I was reading your bio and you said Uh that you speak four languages and you play six instruments. So I want to go ahead and ask you what those were. All right. Let me see. Uh, So obviously singing, Mm -hmm. saxophone. I play piano, Mm -hmm. organ, drums and guitar. uh, As far as languages, I speak Portuguese, English, obviously. Cape Verdean Creole. And I, I used to speak Spanish so uh-huh. much and I can understand it now, uh-huh. but I can't speak it. You know uh, what I mean? Like I, I, I studied, you. yeah, I studied Spanish all throughout, you know, when I was five all the way up, yeah. um, you know, because my mother spoke uh, predominantly Spanish. She mm-hmm. traveled to a bunch of places like Peru, Colombia, all those places. And so, you know, ever since I was a little boy, used to you know speak spanish but then when i went to college i didn't have anybody to speak it with uh, yeah, and so that lot. just that changed up yeah that changed up everything so i can understand it but i'm fluent in spanish i picked it up in high school and then when i started yeah. dancing my first dance was salsa so uh, okay. i started learning the lyrics to the songs and then i started getting to know some of the latinas and then yeah. I did a couple of them <laughs> they'll teach you everything you need to know man that's it <laughs> so that's how i got pretty fluent with it but i've been speaking spanish for about 10 years now so oh nice, nice. i don't get to speak it as much as i would like but i started i tried to stay fluent and i've been to mexico a couple of times to 
yeah to teach out there and that kind of gives me opportunity to keep mm-hmm. fresh with it you know yeah nice 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 that's awesome so you speak portuguese and you also speak cape Verdean, but you said you are american were you born in america or were you born somewhere else or no i was actually born here in the states uh both my parents are jamaican mm-hmm. um and so i i mean Pats was not, it's English is not really anything, you know yeah. I mean? It's just, it's English, but so yeah, I was born in the States. I was born in Connecticut mm-hmm. and I've, you know, I've lived here all my life. I got you. And if I'm not mistaken, Connecticut has a very high population of Cape Verdeans, right? Oh yeah. 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 Especially where, where, uh, one of the places where I grew up, Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh-huh. um, they have, a, the population of Cape Verdeans is, is huge out there. So did that upbringing help you learn the language of Portuguese and Cape Verdean Creole or was it not, after? not at all. It was definitely after, um, because, you know, you don't really get into, when I was growing up, I didn't really get into, you know, where people were from or mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And, and it wasn't until I got to Rhode Island, uh, which also, uh, you know, is right next to Connecticut, but also has a huge Cape Verdean population mm-hmm. that, you know, I finally got into the world of Cape Verde and mm-hmm. kind of engrossed myself in that world. Okay, that's awesome. So this is really interesting to me because your native culture would be like your parents from Jamaica, but Jamaica, yeah. Especially with your influence that you have on Kizomba, you know how strong of an influence it has in the Palo countries with Angola and Cape Verdean uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. So when did you decide to learn the language and get more involved and learn more about the culture behind Kizomba? Yeah, so I uh, my first time going to Cape Verde was in 2011. A very good friend of mine, he's on a bunch of my records. He's a hip-hop, Cape Verdean hip-hop artist from the stage, from Rhode Island. His name is Chachi Gavallo. Mm-hmm. He got the opportunity to go to Cape Verde back in 2011 for the first time. And I want to say he was 32 years old and he had never been. Mm-hmm. Both his parents were, from, were born in Cape Verde and uh, immigrated here to the States. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, we had made a whole bunch of music before that together. Mm-hmm. Finally, we got the opportunity to go to Cape Verde to perform at a festival. And so everything after that was just amazing. So we go, we get there first time for him, first time for me, first time for a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. And we completely fell in love with everything there. So as he is basically falling in love with his culture, I'm falling in love along with him mm-hmm. saying, wow, this is this is just like Jamaica, but nobody's raising their voice about games or we're, you know, we're not fighting. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy. And so I'm, I'm just loving everything about it. Mm-hmm. We stayed there on tour for about two months. I think mm-hmm. we came back. Uh, I wrote my first Zook song ever. It was entitled Soldadi Bo, which means I miss you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, everything just went nuts. <laughs> so were you already producing Kizoma music before you went to the trip in Cape Verde? Not at all. Not at all. I didn't even know what Zook. I didn't know what Zook was. I didn't know what Kizomba wow. was. I didn't know what any of it. I didn't know any of it. So you just kind of like went deep sea diving into the whole Kizomba culture. Pretty much. Even like if you if you really listen to Soldadi Bo, mm-hmm. it really wasn't even Zook or Kizomba. It yeah. was kind of like my take on what I heard. For was sure. still almost like a almost like a a Jamaican reggae influence. Yes, yes, you know yes. what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I, I still kind of do that now, uh, but it was more so then because I had no idea what I was doing. Yes, you know, for sure. So, so 
that offers the perfect segue into this next question that I wanted to ask you because mm -hmm. you have your culture, your heritage right. being Jamaican with the, both your parents being there and mm -hmm. then also falling in love with another culture. And then you have your passion that sets your heart on fire, which is music. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of combine all of these three things that kind of set your heart on fire. And right. now you're starting to produce this music. So what are your thoughts on like fusing musical genres and also fusing cultures to create beautiful things like the music that you've done? I feel like it's it's a musician's job to do that. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. music in itself is a universal language. For sure. Right. So, you know, if you get on the dance floor, I, I can't tell you how many times people have heard me sing in English and mm -hmm. I'm in Portugal or in France or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, they literally say to me, I have no idea what you said, but I love your music. <laughs> right. Or even even let's get even even a bit closer to that. Mm -hmm. Like just me playing the saxophone where there are no words, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And sure. I'm playing a, a Mika Mendes song, which is in Cape Verdean Creole or Portuguese, exactly. right? People don't know any of what he's saying, but when mm -hmm. I put it into, into musical terms, mm -hmm. right, it, it strikes a different chord. Yes. It still and, inspires a, an emotion, you know, and that's right. The music. That's right. And so, you know, I say that, you know, as a musician, it's, it's, basically your job to do that that's awesome to hear because uh, you'll see the same thing happen like with the salsettos you know like uh -huh. sometimes you have a bunch of salsa people who are dancing salsa they don't speak spanish but that's they right. love the music and the same thing with bachata and the same thing with zouk and the same thing with tango sometimes that's people right. fall in love with the dance they can feel the emotion of the song but they, don't right. they don't necessarily understand what's being said word for word but they can still feel the emotions of the producer or the musician that's producing the song you know Right, right, right. That's exactly it. That's exactly that, it. That is awesome to hear. So now that you've had kind of this experience with Kizomba and now you already have like your musical talents and you decided to kind of put that together over the past year or two here, you've kind of been impacting the Kizomba scene more and more. I'm putting more and more Kizomba music out there. Um, my next question here will be. How much does the culture mean to you, meaning like kind of holding on to your own culture and then also in using another cultures to kind of create something new? And uh -huh. how much would you say that influences what you do? Well, I mean, everywhere I go, I, I always rep Jamaica, no matter no matter what. You know what I mean? It's all day, all day. <laughs> you know, I, I have to as a <laughs> as a proud Jamaican and coming from other proud Jamaicans, I have For to. Sure. You know what I mean? But I, I think that just I don't know. I don't really know how to how to explain it. Like just with with the music in itself. Mm -hmm. I, I really I, I I just I feel like I, I just I have to. Yes, it's have like, to, like a feeling you know inside I mean? that you have to kind of express from within yourself. Right, right, right. So, you know, I I, I take the culture everywhere I go. Mm -hmm. But with that, I also respect other cultures. Yes, for sure. You know, I when I travel to Portugal, I make sure that I know exactly what I'm saying when I'm mm -hmm. up on stage or if I go to France, mm -hmm. I know exactly what I'm saying when I mm -hmm. when I get up on stage. But, you know, as far as, I, you know, I don't really I rep my culture, but I'm not going to say, you know, I, you got to be Jamaican and I have to do reggae music. And exactly. no, it's not, yeah, it's yeah, not that, that, you know, and that's a beautiful thing. I think like especially nowadays with the technology and like Facebook and Instagram, mm -hmm. like you can like somebody's 
post from China to Mexico to Canada yeah. to Europe, like in a matter of like two minutes, you know? That's it. And That's it. And we're able to kind of see, and the key word that you said before was respect each other's cultures. Right. Um, and allowing that to inspire our own and like kind of create these new kind of fusions. And I think Kizoma itself is a fusion. It was like a fusion of different rhythms when mm-hmm. it started off. And I feel like that fusion is continuing to go on. Um, you mentioned in your bio that you, you had several musical influences from Kizoma, Zook, R&B, mm-hmm. Afro House, and Neo Soul, um, right. which is the one to, to talk to you about here as well. Yeah. Um, what were you? What kind of music did you listen to growing up, and how do you feel that that is infe- affecting the music that you're creating now? So, I, like I said, I listened to there was music everywhere in my house. So mm-hmm. between gospel music to uh, classical music t- mm-hmm. to rock to you know smooth jazz, neo soul, everything you can think of. Mm-hmm went through my house or went through everywhere that I went. So, you know, I attribute all of what I heard and put a lot of that stuff in my music. So so when people hear what I create, it is all the the response that I get is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a movie. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and the, the reason the reason why is because I grew up really kind of honing in on movie scores mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, when I went to college, I actually majored in it was a, it's it's called modern culture media. It's the theory behind behind um, movies and all that type of stuff. Gotcha. And my, my goal was to create movie scores for films. Um, so now, you know, I take a lot of that with me, a lot of that training with me now and mm-hmm. put a lot of that in, in my music as well. So. I'm curious to know if the movie scores and the kind of like you're dabbling into that ties into your performance on stage. I got a chance to see you perform live when you were at the DC Pachata Festival last oh, wow. year and you put on a really good show. You were there with Archie and Sizzle and we'll talk yep. about them here in a, in a few minutes. Yep. Um, but one of the things that I read in your bio that people really like is that just your energy on stage. So mm-hmm. you have your passion, you have your respect for the cultures, you're creating something new, you feel like you're expressing this magical feeling that you have inside. What do you do to kind of express that on stage? I, I wish I knew, man. I, I really <laughs> don't know the answer to that question. So when the first time that I told you about that I performed, mm-hmm. literally what I the feeling that I got was for lack of a better word, heavenly, mm-hmm. right? And so literally when I'm on the stage, I know that it's a great performance. If I can almost see myself performing on top of like everybody else, mm-hmm. right? So I'm, I'm, it's almost like a astral projection where I can almost, you know what I mean? See everything mm-hmm. that's going on. I'm looking down on the whole, on the whole performance. And so, you know, after performance, people come up, they're like, oh, great job. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, thanks. You know, it was was okay. But I don't know. I literally don't know what what happens. It's just they say go and then it's time to go. And it's time to go. You just (laughs) got to get into your element. Yeah, I hear I hear for sure. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the work that you did with Archie and Sizzle. They're good friends of mine here in Texas as well. And it's good to see the Kizoma influence starting to make its way over here to the United States with artists and start to crew for us to kind of put some Kizoma music out there as well. 
Um, yeah. You want to talk about your experience with them? Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. So I think it, it was probably Archie who hit me up first. And, you know, he was like, man, I, you know, I've heard a bunch of your stuff. I'm, we're trying to do this whole this whole Kizamba thing and bring it to the States more. You know, I, I, I've seen you traveling, but let's see if we can start something here in the States. We're rappers and, you know, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's try it. You know, can we, can we make some music with you? And like me, I'm the type of person who loves to work with everybody. So I don't, I, I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And, you know, I heard some of their stuff. Their stuff was great. And, you know, we decided to just keep on working together. Mm-hmm. And um, I think uh, they, they had dropped. So the one that they definitely, that definitely piqued my interest was their song called No More. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so when a song is message driven or has something that is, is really social, mm-hmm. I, I love that type of stuff. And so when Archie had, you know, just talked to me about what he was doing about uh, human trafficking and brothels and all that type of stuff, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I, I'm, I'm all for it. Let's do it. That's awesome. That's awesome. How many songs did you guys end up doing together? Maybe three or four yeah, today. Like three or four of them. That Something like that. Have. And then, yeah. And then right now we're working on new stuff together. So that's awesome. That's awesome. I'll yeah. be sure to include the links of those music clips from SoundCloud in the show notes so people can check those out as well. All and right, I might, cool. I'll probably use one of them for the intro song for this particular podcast as well, which would be nice. Excellent. Excellent. And then the other thing, too, which really piqued my interest is, you know, when I first started doing Kizamba, like I said, back in 2011, 2012, mm-hmm. there, there was really nobody here doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. We had. So, like I said, you know, I live in Rhode Island where the Cape Verdean culture is huge. So there was a bunch of people doing Zook and they were they were, you know, huge, big time mm-hmm. Zook artists, but would only get, you know, radio play or all of that in Cape Verde. Mm hmm. And so in 2012, I took my first trip to France and saw what Kizamba was and how passionate pe- how, how passionate people were about this dance and about this music. And I was like, man, I need that. You know, I, I want I need to get in this right here. I hear you. And so still back around that time, there wasn't a lot of Kizamba in the States. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so it was refreshing when Archie and Sizzle hit me up to see you know, other artists kind of budding from here and wanting to do Kizamba. So that's awesome. Kizamba started here in Texas about 2012. Okay. Yeah. Started, yeah. Yeah. We started having house parties and stuff like that. Now, yeah. like it's, it's getting bigger to where we have events and right instructors coming over and more socials and things like that in multiple cities. So it's definitely starting to grow more and more as well as, as outside of Texas here in the States as you've seen as well. Right. Right. All right, let's go ahead and talk about any exciting projects that really has you excited for 2016. All right, cool. So, yeah, I have uh, last year. Oh, no, excuse me. The end of 2014, I think it was. It was either then or or right at the beginning of 2015. I released uh, a project called Saxo Kizamba Volume Mm 1, where I took just songs in Kizamba that I love and uh, basically did what I grew up listening to is, is, you know, when people like George Howard and Najee took smooth jazz, they were taking the greatest songs from R&B and and soul music back at the time, like Sade and Mm -hmm. Anita Baker and all those all those artists and, you know, putting saxophone over it and taking over the melodies and doing their own thing to it. That's what I did with Kizambas. I took, you know, the the Kizamba music and just put saxophone over it because that's, you know, one of the things that I'm passionate about. 
And so this year, later on in the year, uh, I'll be dropping uh, another one, Saxo Ensemble Volume 2. And it'll be more of taking the songs that that I love mm-hmm. and love to listen to and completely making those into Kizamba. So for example, a track that I'm working on now, which should be released in a couple of weeks, I'm working on a song by Trey Songs called Slow Motion. Uh, right. Where I completely take exactly I yes. completely take that one and, you know, do put all the training and stuff that I've, you know, grown up mm-hmm. with and putting my all my influences into that and then putting saxophone I'm over excited it. to hear that one that'll be really yeah, nice yeah yeah I grew up I'm excited for it too I grew up with a lot of 90s R&B like Usher Nice and Slow even back to like yeah. SWV yeah yeah TLC those kind of things I grew up in, in middle school and high school so when I hear the Kizoma remixes of those and it's yeah. like uh, like it's just it just creates like this nostalgic feel of being and back that's right and I remember there was this one quote, it's like being in the past and the present at the same time. Yeah. Because you get to remember oh, yeah. the memories from that song and then also kind of live that in the present moment. It's really cool. So I'm really excited yeah. to hear what you have because it sounds like it's going to be filled with that kind of energy. Yeah, I can't wait, man. If I if I had known that that uh, Saxo Kizamba would have had the in- impact that it did, mm-hmm. I would have been done doing it a long time ago, man. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't realize it, man. For sure, for it sure. It was just like I need, I need something else to do, something else to put out. Why don't I just actually, you know what it was? Saxo Kizamba was was a request by a good friend, actually two good friends of mine, and they're both part of the whole Lights Out DJ mm-hmm. circuit. So DJ Lefty. Mm-hmm. And DJ Mastermind. Mm-hmm. And both of them do a, a lot of weddings out here for K-Birdians mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So they were like, you know, we would love for you to put a bunch of these songs together, play saxophone over them. We can play them at weddings if you make them zoop. And I was like, all right, let me, let me just try mm-hmm. it. The first one I did was Majiku, and that one just completely went to places I didn't think it would that's go. That's awesome. So, yeah, after that, you know, everything else is history. That's That's awesome. Well, Pilo, yeah. I definitely appreciate you taking time out of your day to come and talk to our listeners and kind of share your story to inspire other artists and inspire other dancers and kind of let people know we're kind of all universal humans in this whole love for music and dance and we're here to support each other and unite each that's other. It. And yep. that's the message that I want to be broadcasting that um, through the podcast that I've set up here. One more question before we, we finish right. up, and that's going to be, where do you think Kizomba will be in the U.S. five to ten years from now? Five to ten years from now. Wow. Okay. So I foresee Kizomba being where salsa what, salsa and bachata was uh, maybe down to five, ten years ago, where salsa and bachata was so hot. There were so, you know, so many classes, mm-hmm. so many salsa nights. And I mean, there are, they're still there now. Sure. But, you know, like I said, down to five, ten years ago, there were so many, there's so many more opportunities to do it. I feel Kizamba, as long as we have, you know, the people that are passionate about it, like yourself, like Archie and mm-hmm. Sizzle, like, you know, everyone who is, around the United States doing the socials and the the different festivals like the Miami Beach Kizamba sure. Festival and the DC Pachata uh-huh. Festival and all those places. You know what I mean? As long as we have all of you guys to help to promote the music here, people are going to fall in love with it. Like I have, I have a very close friend of mine who literally, you know, he tells me that, you know, I can listen to the music all day just studying. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. You yes. know what I mean? You can't you can't really do that with salsa. No, like you, you want to get, get up and dance for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like I, I feel like five in five to ten years, Kizama's gonna be bigger than 
anything. And I, I actually think, especially with the release after that Justin Bieber record, I can't. I think it was a sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like oh, with that man, like <laughs> he's almost gonna be huge. Like all we need is a Trey yes. songs or a Justin or Bieber Beyonce. to pick up yes. or Beyonce to do a Kizamba record, and that's yes. it. Yes, game over. And that's it. Game over. Yeah, I think uh, was it last year or something like that on Selmo Ralph. Mm-hmm. Did a track with Rick Ross. Really? It was probably just a, yeah, it might have been just a hip hop track yeah. or something like that. Maybe it was just a feature, but he actually did a track with Rick Ross. Mm-hmm. So, it's, you know, it's apparent that people are trying to reach out and find other styles. And I think he's almost going to be it. That'd be, that'd be awesome. That'd be phenomenal if that happens for sure. Yeah. All right, Ampila, I'll go ahead and give you the mic to give any parting advice for upcoming artists or dancers out there. And then also the best way for people to hit you up on social media. All right, cool. Uh, so for artists, do what you do. Be yourself. Don't try to be different. Don't try to be the next big thing. If you just if you put everything that's in your heart into your music, into your craft, it'll come out, and and you know it. Uh, people will connect with it because that's what music is. Like I said before, it's a, it's a universal language. So there's, there's someone out there, whether it's one person, whether it's millions of people that will connect with what it is you're trying to put out as far as your music. Um, make sure you don't stop and make sure you have help along the way and study your craft. Don't just, you know, get up and go to the studio once in a while or I'm just going to create once in a while. Mm-hmm. I'll just pr- practice your craft. Like I, I still practice to this day, whether it's practicing saxophone or practicing mixing or practicing production, whatever the case, I still practice and I still am eager to learn about whatever. Uh, so that's it for artists. Uh, if you want to find me, everything is Pilo Music, whether it's PiloMusic.com, Facebook slash Pilo Music, Twitter, Pilo Music, Instagram, Pilo Music. Snapchat, Pilo Music, <laughs> <laughs> everything Pilo Music. For sure, and I'll be sure to put all those links there in the show notes for people to check those out as well. So, Pilo, right, it's cool. been awesome talking with you and chatting with you. Thanks for taking time to talk with our listeners here, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Definitely, one love. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. You can